Welcome to Command of Our Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we're discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 11, Perpetual Infinity. This episode was written by Alan McElroy and Brandon Schultz. McElroy wrote the teleplay for An Obel for Sharon, and Schultz is listed as variations on a writer's assistant for 17 episodes of Discovery. This episode was directed by Maya Vervilo, who also directed the short Treks episode, Runaway. I can't, so, I can't see Alan's last name and pronounce it the way you pronounced it, because I listened to too much McElroy content. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't, I couldn't even do it there. M- McElroy? Uh, that sounds so wrong. McEl- oh my god, no. They say McElroy? Yeah, they do. It, is there's M-A-C? No, it's spelled exactly like that. Oh, okay. Anyways, That's weird fine. tangent. I I may be saying this Alan's name wrong. I don't know. I I didn't look up any pronunciation guides, so if I got Alan, Brandon's, and Maya's names all wrong, I apologize. I mean, the way you said it makes more sense with how it's spelled. Okay. Okay. Enough about confusing names. Should we talk about confusing episodes? I mean, I don't think this episode was confusing so much as, uh, d- uh, like, they didn't, like, they just didn't quite pull it off. Okay. But yes, let's, let's dive into it. Did you like this episode, Jen? I liked the broad strokes of the episode, mm-hmm. but I found it was just overwhelming with all the stuff going on. So okay. it was just... You know, it's hard to piece everything together because you're just going from this bit of information to this bit of information to this bit of information to this bit of information. And so you're not really having a chance to, like, piece things together as the episode progresses. Right. I didn't... I don't know if I felt that way about it so much as I just felt like they... Like, they tried really hard to have everything lead up to this episode, but I just don't think it really did. You think this is supposed to sort of be like a big crescendo moment? Not so much a crescendo, but like all the information we've gotten so far is supposed to like make sense with all the information we get in this episode. And I just don't think it does. Like, I just don't think everything fits. Okay. And I don't think that's done on purpose. I think that's they messed up. Okay. Should I do like a short recap of what the episode was about? Sure. Okay, so this episode, Michael wakes up from her death, and her mother is alive and in the containment field, and they spend the episode trying to figure out what to do. They end up hatching a plan to put the sphere data into the suit and send the suit into the future. I think it's into the future. Or the past. No, into the future. Into the future. Like 950 years where control can't get it. And to use the dark matter energy to use with the transporters to beam Michael's mom out of time and into their time permanently. And meanwhile, Leland under under control of control uh, is trying to steal the data, and at first he sends Tyler, but Tyler realizes that this is the wrong thing to do and won't do it. 
And then he sends Giorgio, and she starts to go ahead and do it, and then partway through realizes that Leland is compromised and stops it. Leland then comes down to the service to, like, shoot him all up and try and keep stealing the data. There's a big, like, fight scene. They realize that they have to let the containment field drop so that both Michael's mother and the suit are sucked back through the time wormhole. Yes. And Tyler gets stabbed. Yes. Leland ends up getting away. Tyler also ends up getting into an escape pod, and so he is now on the Discovery, and we will see where we go to from here. And once again, no Reno. No Reno. But I have good news for you, Kate. I have heard the good news. You have heard the good news, I have yes. heard the good news. Yes, Reno is confirmed for at least one more episode this season, so. I heard the good news before I saw this episode, so I was really expecting her to be in this episode. Oh. So that's perhaps why I'm a little overly disappointed. Gotcha. So where do you think it's not matching up? Mostly with, okay, first of all, in the last episode, they were sure it was Michael. In this episode, it's not Michael. And they just like, oh, mitochondrial DNA. DNA is what Culver said. Because he backpedaled right at the beginning. And uh, it's like there's, you know, a lot of similarities in mitochondrial DNA, which is the maternal DNA, which is, is what they run those uh, genealogy DNA tests. A lot of them look for those markers through mother's dna but i don't know if see this is where i want a science expert to be um, like does you know, that make sense with a bioneural reading <laughs> i was talking to anya the other day mm -hmm. and for those I, who don't remember anya was our science guest from season one she came and did a show about the uh, spore science stuff she and is currently in the middle of um her one of her own podcasts but she did say mm -hmm. she was looking forward to getting caught up with Discovery as soon as that was done, and perhaps joining us for some science talk. Okay. So hopefully we will be able to arrange that probably uh, after the end of season two. Right. Science. Yes. But I mean, Star Trek has always been sort of like where there is a science problem and they, and they need science to fix it, that's where they stick technobabble. Right. right, I get, I get that, and I'm generally I'm okay with techno babble, like mm -hmm. because it's it's the future and they have technology we don't know of. But when it's shit that we do have right now, I would like a little bit more effort than mitochondrial DNA. That doesn't make sense. You couldn't mistake one person for the other. I don't think. Anyways, we don't need mm -hmm. to. Uh, labor the point right let's just move on okay so okay here's what i'm confused about okay previously i was under the impression which is apparently false that control itself came like or whatever the bad thing is that's calling itself control whatever came from the future the same way the red angel did apparently that is false and it is literally just their computer program control that's given itself a personality? So Starfleet has developed a threat assessment AI program. Right. Called Control. Yes. And so they would use it to, like, plug in scenarios, and Control would, like, 
run through various probabilities and make a recommendation. Okay. And then okay, eventually so that AI became aware or whatever. And now it wants the sphere data to become more powerful and kill everyone. That's what's yeah, happening. That's the plot. The thing I'm not certain about is if it's the, like, I, is it the grandfather paradox where when they went into the time thing, Ash and Pike in the shuttlecraft, mm-hmm. and the um, the drone squid thing attacked it and got into their computer. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that, like, if it came from that instance to the past and right. made control aware. But then how was, you know, like, yeah, this is, this is what I'm, this is where I get confused. Like, what was that? Was that just a piece of control from the future? Was control already beginning to be control here in the present future? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What I would like a little bit, I would like control's timeline, you know, like, where did it start? Where did it come from? We might get a little bit more of that. Cause one of the things that I, I liked about this episode is that through Leland mm-hmm. and Tyler discussing, well, through Leland and Control discussing, and then a little bit with Leland and Tyler discussing, Control got a voice of its own. Yes. So, because until, like, Control is the antagonist of the season, but we've only been able to try and, like, glean its motivations from its actions so far, which are obviously hostile. Right, yes. But this actually gave it a little more substance, where it could explain a bit about what it wants and why. Okay, I have another timeline question. Okay. Remember in a previous episode with the Klingons, mm-hmm. Lorel unveiled a ship. Mm-hmm. What was that ship? Uh, uh, that was the, uh, the designation as escaping me, but like a bird of prey. Right, so, and what ship? landed on Michael's home to kill them. One of the old style ships? It, that one was not a bird of prey? Not the... I, I'd have to go back and really look because at it, I, but I, I just don't remember... think it was exactly the same. Okay. Because I remember last season, everybody being like, there's no bird of prey. And then this season, they unveiled it, and they're like, oh, okay, cool. This is where it's invented. But then in this flashback, and in, when we were talking last week, you mentioned that you saw like a Klingon bird of prey in the preview. So I assumed that's what this was. So I'm just confused about the timeline about that ship. Okay. Um, I'm, did I say bird of prey specifically last week? I, I, I might've, I don't remember. Um, but if I did, I think I meant to just say like a Klingon ship, battleship, warship, whatever. And like in season one, all the Klingon ships looked different. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't uniform. And we know from future Star Treks, there is, like, a uniform Klingon vessel, which is why people were upset. And then when they introduced it and they had Laurel sort of be like, this is the plan, we're going to have a Klingon fleet of these ships, regardless of your house, it was, like, doing that continuity bridging. Okay. So that's why people were happy. Okay. So that was just me not understanding. Okay. Great. I feel better about that then. Oh, good. Good. All right, so... In general, I didn't think the flashback was strictly necessary. No, obviously, we already knew what happened. That She tried yeah. to go back in time and save them. It didn't work, blah, 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 We could have just watched the 
the logs. Yeah. That would have oh, been fine. Interesting side note, though. I looked up the actors who played Michael's parents. Right. The actor playing her father is Sonequa's husband. Oh, okay. I knew he was in this season, but I didn't know who he was going to play. That's yeah, nice. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd heard he was in the season, too, and then I'd completely forgotten about it until I was looking up um, the actors, and I completely forgot to write down their names, of course. Um, and then it was like, oh, yeah, that's right, sir. That's hilarious that he's playing her father. Yeah. I like it, though. Okay. So here's another question that I don't understand. Okay. The logs, the mm-hmm. video logs. Mm-hmm. Are there, like, at one point, um, Dr. Burnham, Mom Burnham, I don't know, whatever, is getting into the Red Angel, and we can see that happening from the log. What is recording? What is recording on that log? Did you see the two drony things that, like, came out of her arm when she arrived? No. But okay. if, as long as there's an explanation, I'm good. Yeah, there's, there's a couple little drone things that, I guess, go with the suit and all right fine that's yeah. fine i thought okay, okay. that's that's See, as long as there's something i watched the episode and then i was immediately like i have to watch this again because there were so many little things like that yeah or i was like how is this and what happened here and what did they say was that what i so i did watch it again so i could pay closer attention to a bunch of those little bits okay now here is my big question mm-hmm so, Mom Burnham arrives 950 years in the future. Mm-hmm. There is zero life. Mm-hmm. That's what she said, right? Right. So then, but presumably control is somewhere? I presume so. And she somehow figures that out. That control is somewhere and that it killed everyone. So she starts trying to go back in time to stop that. Well, presumably at first she was trying to go back in time to like actually save her family from yeah. the Klingons, but then she figured out that everybody was going to die and changed her her mission. So she's doing that, sure, but the anchor keeps pulling her back, which, why would she be anchored 950s in the future when she's not? For, whatever, who cares? So then she finds, like, a planet, or she's always pulled back to a specific planet, so then one time when she goes back in time, she decides to put some humans on that planet without any technology. So they are still there 950 years in the future? Is that what that was? Um, maybe. I kind of interpreted it as like, you know, she jumps to the future. There's nothing there. But she doesn't try and stay long at first. She tries to get back, but then keeps getting like sucked back to that other point. Right. Again, why that's happening I I don't know. It might just be um, they didn't know correctly how the time crystal works or because the Klingons were shooting at her just right. as she started the thing. I'm wondering if maybe there I was can, like I can whistle past it. that with yeah. pretend techno babble that, you know, it was an mm-hmm. experimental suit, right? That hadn't been right. used before. So that's fine. Yeah. I'm I'm cool with that. And so I think her understanding of control, like, evolved as she kept trying to do different things to get home and realize what happened and, like, was going back and forth. Um, And then realized that, you know, she's not able to just jump back home, but everybody dies. So let's try and figure out if we can fix anything. Right. 
But what? But the people. Okay, so back on the the mm-hmm. New Eden episode, mm-hmm. those are the people she put onto a planet, and that was the planet that she was anchored to. She set up her home base there. Yes. So now that she's changed that, and she she said something that because they don't have technology or whatever, those Control people are still there, right? Right. Well, I don't know if they're still there 950 years in the future. I think she took them from their era in the past and jumped them to a different place. And then maybe whenever that future date is that Control wiped them out, they were still there. Or maybe just the fact that she could change something in the timeline that they were in the past flourishing in that location was good enough. This is what I would like some clarification on. Are they still there? Are they not still there? Because I interpreted it to mean that they were still there. Like 950 years in the future. Yes, and that there was people she could talk to there. Not that I think she did, but I think she could have. Right, right. Well, uh, a lot of people online were raising questions like, I guess she figured out she had to move some people into the future because how would she eat? (laughs) Like, your planet's been destroyed. There was lots of jokes about, like, you know, going back and eating at a restaurant just until the bill comes and then, like, warping to the future again and things like that. Um, So, yeah, that was not explained. (laughs) Though, I mean... They sort of tried to explain it, but they didn't really go into it. Or even just, like, replacement clothing. Yeah. Well, do we know how long it's been for her? No, but they... She looks older. Right. And she's done like 841 missions. Right. So that's got to take time. I mean, that could be five years. She could look older because life is hard in the future. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's what I'm saying. It could be five years for her. It could be 10 years for her. Michael talks about it being 20 years. And her mother says that she saw her at her graduation day. She saw her come aboard the Shenzo, she saw, like, all these things. Right. So but she it... must have a, a sense of the scope of time that's passing. Right. But it doesn't necessarily translate to it having been 20 years for the mom. For Mom Burnham. Mm-hmm. I know, when I was typing my notes, it was really hard, because I usually type Burnham. Right. And it was like, Mom Burnham? Yeah, no, that's not clear. I'm hoping we get some clarity before the end of the season. I have my doubts. One thing I did like, at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the episode, when Michael woke up from being out, Mm -hmm. I I just really appreciated that there were three people of color and one white dude in the room. And that was like our main cast for this season. Right, right. I appreciated Uh, that. That scene where Michael wakes up Mm -hmm. and is like... You know, no, that couldn't have been my mom. That was me. And then they're trailing her like, you know, that was your mom. And she was like, but she like that performance Mm -hmm. was amazing. Yeah, it was very good. I do think it's a departure from Michael of season one. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of season two, I think, is sort of a departure just because she was supposed to kind of be Vulcanish. And Michael this season is just like emotions. Yeah, it, she she was sort of set up as a character who's like struggling between all these teachings of logics and emotion and things like that. And this season, it seems to be like, no, we're we're not going to worry about that. Yeah, which um, I mean, whatever, they're still finding themselves, but it is yeah. weird. 
I like this Michael better in general. I would be better with it if it was if it had some continuity, if there was a reason for it or something. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Oh, we didn't get to learn what Tilly's first favorite rule of physics or whatever <laughs> I forget uh is and I will be forever upset with Saru about this. <laughs> for cutting her off. Yeah. Well, they time was of the essence here. Um it would have taken 2 seconds, although the face that Tilly gave afterwards was perfect and wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we didn't see very much Tilly this episode. This season. She had a few good parts early on. I guess. I guess the the main episode with her, though, was so bad that I'm just generally resentful. Okay. Did you have any other questions about, like, the Section 31 parts or things like that? No, the Section 31 stuff made sense. Okay. I really thought they were going to kill Tyler. Yeah, I was hopeful. <laughs> yeah, in general, I liked the storyline with Tyler and Giorgio and Leland. I did too. And I I do wish Giorgio had sort of clued in a bit faster, but I guess that would have made the plot end or whatever. We couldn't we couldn't have that. So, yeah. I understand, but I do feel like she would have clued in faster. Yeah, like, she may have clued in that something was up with Leland, but I don't know that she would have necessarily clued in that he was control. And at the time, he was giving her permission to, like, further her own motivations. Right. Right? Because she wants to be Michael's only mom, so. But also, like, mom of the universe. Well, yeah. (laughs) A.K.A. Supreme Empress? Yes. I like mom of the universe better. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I really liked the Section 31 stuff. The Red Angel stuff was confusing, but in general, I liked that it was not possible for them to get what they want and have Michael's mom stay there, whose name just left my head. Gabrielle. Oh. Mom Burnham. Mom Burnham. Yeah. I... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, did you pick up on the fact that the Red Angel suit is broken now? Um... I picked up on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, like, he, Leland shoots it or whatever at the end. Yeah, yeah. I didn't quite catch that the first time. But the second time when I watched it, Michael was saying, like, yeah, she's, like, in the future now. She has no suit. Like, th- that's it. She has no time crystal. She can't do anything. Yeah. I picked up on it there. And then, did you believe Mom Burnham when she said she has no clue what the seven signals were? I did. So did I. So now I'm wondering what the hell is going on with the signals. I like that there was something she didn't know, that there was something else going on. Yeah, I like that too. Oh, and then the further questions I have about the whole thing is that she was watching Burnham during all these things, but how was she watching? Yeah, yeah. Because doesn't that, wouldn't somebody have noticed the wormhole opening and uh, yeah, yeah. Her, and somebody like appearing, even even if she appeared, was yeah, it doesn't make first, sense. Was one of her first things like to like jump back and like, you know, plant bugs on her child so that she could track her from the future? Like, was that? Like that, then, that was a nice moment when they were talking, but it, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then... Leland also says that, like, I saw her body. Now, Les Leland has control, but I was still, like, if if Leland at the time hadn't seen her body... Yep. 
like, I mean, a Section 31, they would have investigated. I do really enjoy that, like, I would not have even thought of that, except that they put that line in. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, what did happen there? Why doesn't Section 31 know that she, that her body wasn't there and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, and they assumed the suit was destroyed. But I was, again, like, did they... Like, was the scene just so obliterated that they couldn't tell? Or, well, I guess maybe for the suit being destroyed, maybe there were other prototype parts or spare parts that were there that were destroyed that would make it look like the suit is gone. And also, you could clearly hear Michael hidden in the closet, like, yelling for her mom while the Klingons were there. Yeah. So why didn't they kill her too? Oh, I know, my. I know. I was so like, this bad. isn't a good hiding spot. This is like, could you at least have like a cupboard under something and like shove her in? Like, <laughs> Maybe they just didn't care enough to kill her. I'm okay with that. Sure. It yeah. Just... That's possible. This is like, this is what I'm saying. They tried to sort of connect everything here, but I, I just have more questions about how it all connects. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely more questions. Uh, I wonder how Tyler didn't have enough strength to say more than Leland, but then managed to get himself into an escape pod and launch it. I I thought that the the transmission was cut off, not oh. necessarily that he didn't have more strength. That's a possibility. Or maybe he like passed out for a minute, woke up, and was like, "Adrenaline! I will drag myself out." That's also a possibility. I don't know. I hope that this means that you know. Burnham and Tyler don't carry on. I'm so done with that. I'm done with it because it doesn't seem to have any sort of impact on the characters or the story or anything. They just they just keep sort of needling at it. Yep. Yeah. Like, I, I have nothing against Ash or his actor the way you seem to or the idea of having some romance or anything like that. They just have not done a good job with it. I think the actor is actually fine. I think I just don't like the way his character is written. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't mention this, but I came across a, a promo CBS had done with uh, Shazad Latif. Mm-hmm. And hearing him speak in his natural voice, because he's from the UK. Right. So different. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't just keep his accent. Well, they made everybody change. There would be no British people on the ship. Who else is British? Uh, isn't Jason Isaacs? Oh, yes. That's fair. Yeah. It's like, no, no. <sighs> I still have a dream that they'll bring back Prime Larka. Not this season, obviously. But next season, they could. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think that would be a good idea, have a season in between the Lorcas. <laughs> Maybe they'll do some more short treks, and we'll get to see. No, oh, I want it to be like a main plot thing. Prime Lorca. Yes. I thought you would like this. You like Jason Isaacs. That you would be. Oh, I do like Jason Isaacs, but I just don't like casually bringing back people from the dead. And I think Discovery's like gone to that well already. I guess that's fair. Kind of a lot. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I there was so much that I was just like, "What's happening in this episode?" That I don't really even know. Yeah, like the details, like I said, are where I'm like, "What about this?" This doesn't make sense. Yeah. But I think the character moments, like how the characters were written in this episode, mm-hmm. that I enjoyed. Me too. I, I liked um, Giorgio and Mom Burnham talking. That was really yes. good. Mm-hmm. I liked all of Mom Burnham. Yeah. 
I liked, and it, everything made sense to me. Like, I do not want to sp- talk to my daughter right now. Yeah. You know, this is my mission. Are you going to help me? No? Go away. Yeah. <laughs> like, I loved all of that. Um, I liked all the interplay between Tyler and Giorgio and Leland, and it all made sense. Yeah, that was all really good. Yeah. Yeah. Even the Spock, that we didn't get much Spock, but I like that, you know, as soon as Spock realizes what's happening, he realizes that Burnham's not going to want to sit here. Yeah. Right? So he's like, here are all her mission logs. Yeah, Spock was really good in this episode. Very subtle, but very, very well used. You believed that he knew his sister. Yeah. Right? Like, it... Yeah, and when he came in at the end, I really liked that last scene between the two of them, even though the 3D chess is back, whatever. But <laughs> I know, I was like, oh, the episode begins with like one of my least fave things, and it ends with one of Kate's least fave things. Yep. It's like the 3D chess, and it's like, yeah, it's their instinct and logic together that will defeat control. And then there was what- only black pieces on the chess board? No, there was white pieces there, too. I only saw the black pieces. Okay. Um... I'm just saying you can't you can't play chess with just once. Whatever, it's fine. They were there, Kate. I saw them. <laughs> I will double check as soon as we turn off this recording because I only saw black faces. Okay. I think I know what screen cap I'm gonna go and search for on <laughs> <laughs> Instagram this week. Um oh I keep thinking of something and then as soon as I go to say it, I forget it. Well, maybe oh. you should have gotten more sleep last night, Jen. I was busy watching Black Panther. That is not uh, what I was expecting. <laughs> and then after that, we watched an episode of old, uh, well, not old Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation. Because I had That seen... is indeed old Star Trek, just FYI. Well, that's, that's it is. Like over, that's like 30 years old. Yeah. Um, there was a particular episode involving Barclay, the name of which I can't remember. Oh, I think it's like Nth Degree. And yesterday was April 1st, and apparently that episode aired on April 1st, and we were just, like, scrolling through Star Trek episodes to watch, and I was like, ooh, let's put on that one. It aired on this day, like, however many decades ago. So that's what we watched. I was going to cut this out, but now I don't know if I will. Hmm. (laughs) You could put it at the end. I guess. Or you could just leave it, too. That's fine. Uh, But the uh, one little tiny thing I wanted to point out that was kind of cool. Mm Mm-hmm. It was in the background, so not as cool as it could have been. Mm-hmm. But there was an officer in a wheelchair that went by. Oh, yeah, seat. I did notice that. Yeah. I mean, again, you don't need to put disabled people in the background, but I guess it's nice to have a nod to them. I, like, we, you know, like... I can't think of a regular... Um, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Progress is good. But it could be yeah. better. Oh, it definitely could be better. There was an episode in Deep Space Nine that featured a guest star that was in a wheelchair, and it dealt with the issues of, like, um, she wasn't in a wheelchair because of an injury. She was in a wheelchair because she came from a planet with a much lower gravity. Right. And so operating in normal gravity, like, her, she didn't have the muscles developed and, and things like that for it. Right. And then the doctor was developing a way to overcome this, but it would mean that she couldn't ever go back to her home gravity environment because it would confuse her system too much. And so it dealt with those issues of, um, you know, disabled people, a lot of disabled people, it's society that disables them. It's not 
right like yeah. them it's like i don't think the episode dealt with it particularly wonderfully and i think that uh there's a women in warp episode that goes into more depth about disability in star trek you, um what did the woman decide to do she decided to not go ahead with the future treatments okay good yeah but i mean that is one of the things that sort of comes up in the future is it's like okay you've got this future tech and it means that you know people don't have to be in a wheelchair potentially but it's also still nice to like normalize that some people might still have to be in a wheelchair and that's okay it doesn't mean that the person itself is broken right they're still you know like i don't know so i just thought it was cool that they put it in there not that they're doing the best job with it and then um you know again talking about spock his dyslexia comes up in a way that is seen as a strength in this episode yes i did like that also and incidentally Mm -hmm. we're recording this on like a bit of a contentious day right yes in the disability community with regards to autism because it's april 2nd uh and there's a whole big debate that could be gotten into about that which we don't have time for, and Caitlin hasn't no. done any research for, so let's just... Yeah, we'll just carry on. Back to time travel. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't have anywhere to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other thing that doesn't make sense to me is, like, when they're transferring that sphere data, mm-hmm. is it like a torrent process? Like, you can't decode the files when you have 50-some percent of the data? That's like, is it like useless until you get a hundred percent no i'm sure it's it was like a straight download so he could still get some of it yeah so like uh like like i think that's the point they have not neutralized the threat the plot continues no yeah yeah i know but i'm like that's still a lot of data like holy crap now the thing's gonna be super super tough yeah yeah they've definitely still they have not made any headway if anything they made things worse yeah up to the ante. Uh, although, I don't understand why they didn't just fucking blow up the Section 31 ship. Well, I assume there's other crew members on it. Yeah, too bad. And them or the universe. Them yeah, or literally but... all sentient life, just blow it up. If Giorgio were in charge of the ship, you know that would have happened. Mm-hmm. And, but Pike would, he's not that kind of Starfleet captain. They should have just blown it up. Problem solved. As soon as they realized it was transferring the data. Yeah. I have one more thing to talk about. Okay. It is kind of a fan theory. Okay. Uh, So if anybody wants to skip this, then uh, just skip until, I don't know, whenever we're not talking about this theory anymore. Nice, Jen. (laughs) I know. So I've been reading online, and there is some evidence to support it that this is going to be connected to the Borg. Okay, I know next to nothing Does, about the Borg. You know next to nothing about the Borg? Okay, so the Borg is like a cybernetic species mm-hmm. that, um, while they want to wipe out humanity, kind of, they look to assimilate right. useful species and turn them into Borg drones. Right, that I knew. So, and they use like nanotechnology, like um, injected into people, and then they... Um, create cybernetic parts and things like that and with the way Leland was like injected and then at one point when Ash came in and his face was like partly right um 
I mean, I didn't get a really good look at it, but that looks like it. And Borgs have usually been characterized as having like a Borg cube. But then in one of the movies, they did have a Borg sphere instead. And so I was like, oh, like this giant sphere wandering around. And so there's a lot of people theorizing that this is actually part of the origin of the Borg. That could be interesting. You don't seem to think so. No. I actually think that there's more things that would not make sense with it being the Borg. Ah. Mostly because the Borg aren't looking to destroy all life. They are looking to make themselves better by incorporating the technology and knowledge of a species into themselves. Right. Whereas control seems very much set on, like, humans... Like, this is also what I... Doesn't make sense to me. Why are they trying to kill all the humans and all sentient life? Maybe because we're trying to kill it? Yeah, but what started ha- like? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I have heard compelling, like real life arguments against AI for similar reasons. Like, if computers get smart enough, they may just realize that humans do not make sense and humans mess up a, a lot of things and run things badly. And the best thing for all of the planets and other species is to wipe out the humans. Right, but A, they haven't really gone into that. They haven't gone into Control's motivations at all, other than no, I kill. Know. Yeah. And B, I also just feel like that plot point has been done so much in sci-fi that I would prefer something else. That's fair. But yeah, so like, some people see, are thinking like, yep, it's the Borg, especially because the costume, uh, some of the costume people said they really wanted to get a chance at designing some Borg stuff in one of the interviews before season two, I think. And so some people are thinking like, oh, yeah, okay, it's definitely going to be like the Borg and the Borg are associated with some time travel as well. So I don't think it's definitely going to be the Borg, but I think that that's an interesting theory that it could be. I would rather it be something different, something um, we haven't seen in the Star Trek universe. Right. So we've got like four more episodes. Three more. Um, Let me see. There's three more. Three more. Yeah. I can count. <laughs> So I guess they got to wrap it up pretty quick then. Yeah, I guess so. Do you think we're going to end conclusively this season or on a cliffhanger? I I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like there's as much to wrap up that it would be impossible to do in the three episodes we have. Right. But also, like, last season ended with, like, the Enterprise showing up. Yeah, but that wasn't, like, a cliffhanger. The plot was all completed and then it was just like next season yay that's true so i wouldn't mind something like that showing up at the end to be like oh hmm. what do you think i i just feel like they're gonna end it on a cliffhanger yeah they knew earlier on in this season i think that they were getting a season three right so that and i don't know i'm just that's just what i'm feeling right now Gotcha. I, I would love to see more episode titles because they kind of released a bunch and then we're through that and we've only got next week's title to go on. What is next week's? The next week's title is Through the Valley of Shadows. Hmm. Which fits with the angel theme. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, mm, I don't know. It just feels like the type of season where they might cliffhanger it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there have been some excellent 
Star Trek cliffhangers for like, you know, end seasons and then intro season. Mm -hmm. Like some of those episodes, uh, two-parters have been some of the best of Star Trek. Right. So it would be keeping with Star Trek history. Well, I guess we shall see. Yes, we shall find out. Do you have anything else? No, I think that's everything. Do we have anything from our listeners this week? Uh, I just watched the episode this morning, so I haven't checked Twitter at all. Oh, very exciting Twitter news. Mm -hmm. Uh, So last week we were wondering if uh, Doug Jones was doing the in the funeral episode. And one of our Twitter followers, uh, Rachel, I'm trying to remember her Twitter handle. She's at FarFlungHope5. And she did guest star with us for one of our uh, Star Trek reboot film episodes. And so she tweeted that I saw on Twitter, but now can't find it, of course. Doug Jones confirmed he does his own songs. And so then I quoted that with a tweet just saying, you know, I'm not surprised because Doug Jones is an amazing performer. And Doug Jones liked our tweet. I did see that. Mm -hmm. And then there was a little bit of feedback from at Zinkstoat on Twitter, Mm -hmm. who is uh, Steve. And he agreed with us that telling present Michael how they were planning on trapping future Michael made no sense. Also, ugh, Ash. Yes. (laughs) Can we just drop moody, floppy-haired boyfriend out in airlock? You know, that almost happened this week. I know. Shall we wrap things up? We shall. Uh, Do you have any recommendations? Um, Do you have one ready or... You know, mine's a little bit odd this week, but I recommend, you know, not waiting for a special occasion to just have a good mimosa. Because <laughs> I just bought some orange juice yesterday because I wanted some orange juice. And then I was like, wait, we have champagne. So then I just had a giant mimosa while I played some video games on a Monday. And it was really nice. And I recommend it. <sighs> that does sound really lovely. I do still have a mini bottle of... uh a Prosecco in my fridge. I mean, if it's a good one, don't don't mix that with orange juice, Jen. Well, it was kind of the thing where, like, I got it, and then I was like... What Prosecco kind is of, it? I don't remember. Is it blue? Is it sort uh, of an like orangey label? No, it's like a, a teal kind of label. Okay, so that's probably... That one's fine. That one's fine. Okay. <laughs> but I got it, and then, like, things were really busy, and I like to, en- like, enjoy it. And then I was like sick and blah, 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 blah. And now I'm like, oh, my exam's coming up in three weeks. And so I should like enjoy it as like a treat after my exam. But like you can always just buy yourself another bottle. I am aware. It's okay. A mimosa, champagne in general, does not have to be a treat. Just have a drink on a Monday. (laughs) Enjoy a drink on a Monday. While you assassinate cultists in ancient Greece. Since it's the month of April, I recommend if anyone out there is thinking of uh, participating in any sort of autism awareness campaign, that you instead look at the autism acceptance campaign and just do a look for things like um, Light It Up Gold or Red Instead and uh, take a look at hashtags actually autistic and things. That sounds good. And I'll just, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Then I think that that is that for this week. All right. Thank you for listening. 
Join us next week where we talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 12, Through the Valley of Shadows. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to share, you can contact us at acommandofherown at gmail.com or on Twitter at commandofherown. And you can look for us on Instagram sharing some screen caps from uh, the episodes. Instagram.com slash own. And especially if you want to, like, provide your own headcanon that helps any of these things make sense. Please. Please. Well, I've been Caitlin. I've been Jen. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.